You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. Welcome to the Win Win podcast. This is Ben Wolf, your host, as always. I want to learn today with you about how to avoid business owner, COO, or other leadership team relationship failure. Uh, we're going to be talking about that with our guest today, uh, who's somebody I've known for a couple of years now. feel very lucky to know him, lucky for you guys to be able to learn from him. Uh, he is a fractional COO, uh, an integrator with uh, my team at Wolf's Edge Integrators. He is also a certified by scale architect as a predictable success leadership styles consultant. And you can correct me if I said that wrong. Uh, you can learn more about him and the rest of the team at wolfsedgeintegrators.com. And with that, I give you Ron Higgs. Welcome, Ron. Thanks for having me, Ben. I'm glad to be here. And I'm well, glad to know you as well. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And um, I guess what I'd, what I'd love to hear you do is just to give us a start off with a two-minute quick background so we have a little context uh, for you and how you got to be, you know, it, how you got to be where you are now and talking about what we're going to be talking about today. Wow, that's kind of a long story. I will try to condense it in the two minutes, but uh, I started off uh, in the Navy. I spent the bulk of my career in the Navy flying airplanes and doing what we call program management and acquisition. Got out of that. Uh, after I left the Navy and went into the uh, state in the aerospace and defense community, doing all sorts of different things, uh, working as a senior systems engineer. I uh, did sales and business development for a defense contractor, and then I ended up uh, flying with uh, Boeing for a while. And then uh, the last job I had at Boeing was the leader of a, a large uh, systems engineering team for military aircraft. And I just decided that I wanted to do something different, start off on a new set of adventures. So started a consulting business centered around leadership, leadership development, executive coaching. And uh, while I was doing that, I uh, just by blind luck and networking, I fell into a, a COO job of a, of a small company. And unfortunately, that was in January of 2020. And about three months later, I got laid off due to COVID. And I came back and looked at my business and went, wow, I really like the COO thing. And so I restructured my business as a fractional COO business. And uh, I've been doing that along with some uh, business advising and executive coaching since. And if you want to know about predictable success, we can talk about that later. But I kind of stumbled on that when I was looking for things, looking for systems to um, just add to the services that I had. And I came across this and I really liked it. And it was intuitive to me, which is one of the reasons that uh, that I latched onto it. And I want to get into I want to get into this by starting off with the question of like, what have you seen? I mean, you must have had some experiences or things that you've seen where relationships did break down. I mean, what, what I guess have you seen or experienced that caused you to realize that you wanted to understand more about leadership styles and how people do or do not work together effectively or how those relationships break down. I don't, I don't know if this is a direct answer to your question, but I'll tell you how I got interested in this. Years ago, while I was still in the Navy, I went through a program manager's course. And as part of the program manager's course, it was a 14-week on-site course 
uh, on a military base. And we that we were introduced to Myers-Briggs type indicator. And the way that was is we took the assessment, didn't know what it was before we showed up in the class. And the day they introduced it, they separated us all into these different groups. There were 36 of us in the class. And they put, I think, five or six of us at a bunch of different tables. And they had us do these tasks, right? And it was very clear that at the end of all this, there was one group that performed a lot better than all the other groups. And as it turns out, they had split us up into different types of, you know, using the Myers-Briggs uh, assessment. And the most of the groups were of people who had like um, profiles. Mm -hmm. And the one group that had a mix of all the different profiles is the one that did the best. Wow. So that really sparked my interest in these assessments, you know, how people work, how they think, what perspectives that they have. And that really got me interested in it. And I've done some studies and some other sense. There's a bunch of assessments out there, but a lot of them are not necessarily intuitive. And I was drawn to the predictable success um, assessments or leadership styles because they are they are very intuitive. And after you listen to this, you'll remember what they are. Because mm -hmm. a lot of us has taken a bunch of these things. I'm not going to name any of them, but you come back a little while later, you go, what was that again? You know, I was an ocean. I, I, I don't know what an ocean means, right? <laughs> I, I just made that up, but you know what I mean? So, but this really is intuitive and you'll remember it. And, and um, that's how I got into it. And if you want to go back even further, I, I know you're kind of a science fiction guy, as am I, right? So I'm a big Star Trek fan. And if you remember the original Star Trek with Captain Kirk, Dr. McCoy, Mr. Spock, right? Of course, the pilot was this, with the pilot was with Pike. Just yes, be, just absolutely. Clear, yep. But okay. Yep, the original series. But think about this. You know, Captain Kirk was a doer, right? Let's go out. I, I see something that's not right here. Let's go out and get it done, right? Spock was a thinker where he just, okay, let's think about this. McCoy, feeler. Right. It's like, hey, there's people involved here. You know, but, you know what? We have to think about that. They were kind of always at odds. And the solution to their problems always came, I think, with a combination of those three perspectives, because if you have a room full of doers, you're going to end up in sort of a ready fire aim situation. Right? You're just going to jump in everything and get it done. You got a room full of thinkers. Yeah, you're just going to sit back and think about stuff and really not get anything done, right? Room full of feelers, almost the same thing. Well, how does everybody feel about this again? So there's that balance that I think everybody everybody needs. And this is why this is this whole subject is pretty fascinating to me. Yeah. Well, it is fascinating. And if you could help make it, I guess, even, even more concrete. I love the Star Trek example. Uh, although I'm not the, you know, I'm probably more of a Marvel than a Star Trek, uh, <laughs> you know, or a Star Wars versus Star Trek kind of guy, but I definitely have familiar with uh, familiar with Star Trek. It's a great example, but thinking more, I guess, about, you know, even like an example from real life or an example from, you know, a modern business where it's the business owner, or other members of the leadership team, maybe the COO. What have you seen about scenarios where, things didn't work or like what happened when people had different or the same leadership styles and, and how that affected or potentially broke down or, or, or caused a failure in some of these relationships. Well, I think like 
like this. There's a bunch of examples I think we could all think about, and, and I'll I'll give you a, a, a practical one in a second. But I think if you have everyone is the same, right, then I think you're going to get stuck, right? Different styles at sometimes people are at odds, but they you need those different styles to complement each other. So say I, I was a part of a startup. And it turned out, and this is reflecting and looking back because I wasn't really aware of this then, right? We had a CEO that was not a visionary, right? And then we had a bunch of people who were processors. And it, it may help before later here to d define all of these. Yeah, right? maybe we'll, like right after this question, let's do yeah. that. If the CEO isn't a visionary, then it's really hard to get everybody aligned with the vision of the company and where the company's gonna go. I mean, we had a great innovative new product. And I think the CEO is just like, hey, this product is great. Um, you know, our potential clients will be stupid not to buy it. So it's gonna sell itself. Well, <laughs> it doesn't quite work out that way. Mm -hmm. right? And so we, we ended up, the startup failed for some reasons other than that. But I think the primary reason is that the CEO was not a visionary. Mm. And then I come in, I'm a bit of a visionary. You know, as you know, I have some visionary ideas, which are all shot down by the CEO. I, I, I just, mean, he's too conservative to whatever. Yeah. I mean, we had, there are some different things, even the value proposition of the, of of the product right i had a different idea of what the value proposition of the product should be and i was kind of openly mocked <laughs> you know because of it and then i also had some ideas of where else the product could be used because the product was made for one specific market and i was thinking sort of outside of that market like where else can we go to put this product to practical use you know, again, so there, that those are some things that the CEO should have been thinking of and leading us towards. Right. Well, let's get into those four those four leadership styles, and also if you could also like, where did they come from? Like, where, where like who articulated these leadership styles, and what are the four? Like, what's a basic breakdown of of them? Hopefully, people could see themselves in some of your descriptions. Yeah. So this is based on a couple of books by an author, uh, Les McEwen. And Les has been consulting for a while. He's written a couple of books. And what Les has decided to do as, uh, as he gets closer to retirement is license this content and create a bunch of predictable success practitioners, of which I am one. So I was trained by Les. Uh, so there's two parts to predictable success. One of them is a business life cycle, which essentially says businesses, businesses go through stages of growth and decline. I mean, just like human beings do. So in, in essence, you can't give birth to an adult, right? There has to be some sort of, you know, companies going through all these phases. And then the second part of it is these leadership styles, like what kind of people are in the companies, right? So the first one is a visionary. We talked about visionaries. Everybody knows, I think, what a visionary is, right? Visionaries are the people that have all of these big ideas, right? They're usually very creative. At big picture thinkers, out of the box thinkers, you know, visionaries are the ones that start things. They see a problem, it's like, I'm going to come up with a solution to it. Does that make sense? 
the, the next person is an operator. And operators are task-driven people that just like to get stuff done. We know all those people. They have a list of tasks every day and they just check them off. And so those people you know, are primarily concerned with finishing things. Right? Let's, let's get this done. Let's get it knocked out. Um, Action-oriented, action right? And they're also your people that you know, will find any excuse not to come to a meeting. <laughs> so, because they're getting stuff done. I don't have time to go to this meeting because I right. need to get stuff done, right? Then we have processors. Processors are data-driven people, very detail-oriented, very process-oriented, right? Very focused. Those are the people that at the meeting will have the agenda and printed, right? And they'll be ticking off the subjects as we go by uh, on the agenda, right? So they really like to set up systems and processes and they're focused on set up, meaning rather than execute. So well, set up and execute, yeah, okay. create and execute. Yeah. Very, uh, so both. So they're really focused on sustaining things, you know, operators want to get stuff done, right? Processors want to get it done, right. Right. Make it repeatable. Right. So it ends up being a process. Um, the last one is a synergist. And a synergist are the high EQ people who really are the ones sort of working in the background to get all the other ones to understand each other and work together. Sort of the glue that holds everyone together, right? They negotiate, you know, they, they help everybody understand you know, each other's point of view and spend a lot of time working in the background, but mostly focused on people, right? And it's a combination of all four of those people, right? That will make a business successful. And then when you bring those people in are, is important too. not to talk about the life cycles. I'll just say, if two visionaries get together to start a company, right? Is, is anything going to get done? Maybe not. They're going to have a lot of ideas, but they might not get a whole lot done, right? So typically you'll see with a startup, you'll see a visionary and then you'll see several operators, right? So visionaries and operators are the ones going out, getting it done. And the visionary is coming up with the ideas and the operators are out there executing. Yeah, that is super interesting. And when you when you talk about the, the two, I'd like to just understand a little better are the operator and the processor. Now, I know you said a distinction which is that the operator wants to get things done, maybe even without any process, just get it done. Like never set up a process. That's fine. Just get it done. Everything's a one-off. Everything's ad hoc, but a lot of stuff's getting done. Processor wants to make sure it's like a systemized and processized so that it's sustainable and consistent and more efficient, I presume. Is that a pretty good description or like, how would, could you say a little bit more? Cause I think those are the two that maybe are most easily confused, at least to me, uh, in, in terms of the difference between them. Could you say a little bit more about that? No, that is a great, I think you nailed it actually. So think your operators, operators are typically salespeople are operators, right? And just like you said, it's like, Hey, I'm going to go out and make a sale. Right. And then you've got your processors that are, you know, doing the processes like you want your CFO, financial people, accounting people, you want them to be processors. Right. Sometimes, like you said, the the operators that are ones that want to get stuff done, you know, they kind of look at these processes as slowing them down. Right. And so, again, processors want to just make sure they do it right, because I'm sure you've seen organizations like this. 
okay, we have a we have something, we're selling something, we're doing something, we're delivering a product or service. And then at the end of it, when it's delivered, people look back at each other and it's like, how come, why does it feel like we're making this up every time? Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and I've been in that situation, even in engineering. It's like, why do why is it we just did this again, right? Why does it feel like we're making it up every time? Oh, because we we either do not have a good process or there's a process out there that people, maybe people aren't aware of the process, or, you know, you've got some operators that don't feel like they should have to follow the process because it slows them down a little bit. But to go back to one of those, is it the E-Myth or one of those books that says, hey, the, the key to business, right, is having these repeatable processes so that are independent of the human beings uh, involved, right, that anybody... Right trained properly can come in and execute and run the business how do, how do you how do you mesh these two things together i mean that that's such a perennial issue that you're describing i've seen it in in every business that, that i've worked on and how do you you know there's always just this you know you don't understand we don't need that you're going to take away our personal touch you know, it, it, it's not, you know, it can't always be done the same way. And, you know, and then, and there's just this butting of heads that just, you know, how do you get past that? Like, how do you, how do you move through that warring faction between the sides, you know, and, uh, and get to a place, I don't know, and get to a place beyond that where they could work together in a way that, in a way that works. Well, there's two ways. And I think the first is awareness because a lot of people will mistake their, you know, people will butt heads. People will think their personality conflicts when in reality, that's just sort of a people have different perspectives, right? And, and mind you, these assessments measure what your desires are, not necessarily what you're good at and what your job is, right? And it's, it's sort of akin to being a, you know, introverts can be great public speakers, right? But, you know, it takes a lot of their energy. So just because you're doing something doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it isn't a reflection of, of that personality. But one is awareness. I think once people become aware of this, like, oh, it's a visionary and they understand visionaries and, and they get to understand each other. It's like, okay, I can see why they have that. The second one is synergist. I think as people get to be get to be more experienced, um, the synergist is one of it's more of a learned style. People evolve in the synergist. Each one of us has some level of all four of those in us, right? It just depends on what how much one is dominant and one is secondary. And so there are some people that are well balanced. So for myself, I am a visionary synergist, right? So I, and those scores are almost equal. The visionary score is a little bit higher. And I think as people become more experienced, especially people in leadership positions and through some coaching and awareness, their synergist score goes up. That dominant one pretty much stays the same, but the synergist score goes up which means that they now can look at problems through the lens of the other person. So I can, as a visionary, I can go, okay, I can see, I can understand the operator's perspective in this. 
I can understand the processor's perspective. Mm -hmm. Let's set up a balance, right? And the synergist is really the person that helps. I, I remember being in, and maybe I, before I was even aware of this, I was just one of those guys where I would just go to the finance folks and talk to them. And I was on sales and marketing team and they would be like, ah, you sales guys, blah, blah, blah. And I went like, well, I was like, have you ever thought about this and this and this? And why don't you come on a trip with me? Right. Because, you know, when you're doing your travel claims and all this other stuff, the finance people were just so picky about all this stuff. It was like, come on a trip with me where we go to four different cities and, you know, in four days and and we come back in the middle of the night and we miss a flight and we do all this stuff and we come back and you want, you know, you want detail that that I that I can't provide right now. And so it, it just took sort of one of those things to get the finance team to sort of understand, oh, now I really have a better appreciation for what the sale, you know, for what the sales folks are, are doing. Does, right. does that all make sense? I mean, again, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And so you have assessments, awareness, and, right. and then, you know, the, the existence of the synergist to help move all that along. Right, right. Awareness and the synergist. Uh, no, that makes sense. It's two great points. I guess one thing I would say to the people listening to or watching this also is that, you know, this is what you do. I mean, besides you know, you, you besides being a fractional COO with, with Wolf's Edge Integrators, you have a completely different hat that you wear, which is as a, a you know, as a certified consultant with uh, Scale Architects is the name of the company that, that Les McCowan has, or McEwen, I think you pronounced it, has. Yeah. And and uh, and so you can reach out, obviously, to Ron through LinkedIn or through our website, wolfsedgeintegrators.com on the Contact Us page. Uh, if, you know, I mean, because you do this, you you give people the assessments and then you act as a consultant also, right? Where you're able to help teach them, help make them aware of how each other works, do sessions with them so that they can learn how to work together more effectively, right? Yes, absolutely. So there is, um, there's a team that I gave the assessment to. You give the assessment to a team and what you're looking for is sort of a, a balance and an average of, you know, this assessment is scored doesn't matter how many points, right? But you look at the points and you just want an average number of points between of the leadership team of between all the four um, leadership styles. And you can kind of look at this once I've given the assessment and look at it for a team. Sometimes I could tell right by that exactly what's going on. And it's uncanny because a couple of times I've got a, you know, a team that had a, a couple of, maybe too many visionaries, very, very strong in the visionary, and then very, very low on the operator scale. So mm -hmm. what's happening? Oh, they're sitting around in all their meetings with all these big <laughs> ideas, and they're talking about a lot of stuff, but not a lot is getting done, right? Because they don't have operators getting it right. done. And there's also matching jobs to styles too, right? That helps because people thrive in a job that requires that style. And so I mentioned sales folks before, right? Sales folks are typically operators. So if you have a processor in a sales position, you know, that that might not work out too well, right? So you look at the positions in the company and you go, what, or when the leadership team is like, what does this require, right? So you probably want your CFO to be, you know, your, your head of finance, whatever that person does. Probably want that person to be a processor, right? Because that's really where you need process right right and then if you're manufacturing and especially if you're doing something you know engineering right engineering you know typically engineers are going to be 
processes, right? And so you can map the job to, you know, the styles. Marketing folks, marketing folks, you know, you, you want to be visionaries, you know, some visionary operator, a mix thereof. The bottom line is just like anywhere, you don't want a team of all four of one style of people sitting right. together. And as long as you have a broad mix of uh, of styles on every team, I think you'll be successful. Right. Well, let's uh, let me ask you one last question, which is, uh, which is, if you can tell us a story, like give an example, maybe maybe you know one of your clients or a situation you're aware of, where you have come in and seen whatever the different styles are, whether it was too many of the same or or, or, or different or whatever. Like there was problems, and then I don't know. You know, I guess what happened when when people came in and started to understand these four leadership styles and how they played out. Yeah, I there's a uh, a startup that I was working with. You know, gave the assessment, and let's say pretty heavy on visionaries and processors, but they're a startup, right? So what do startups do? Startups are really trying to find a profitable and sustainable market, right? They're trying to sell something, right? And become self-sufficient before whatever seed capital they have runs out, right? So if you look at that, um, they needed, I was able to tell, well, you don't have any operators. Right. And so where are all your sales coming from? Right. You need someone that's going to be a hundred percent focused on sales. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the, you know, so you need to find an operator. And that person again needs chief revenue officer, needs to be a hundred percent focused on sales. Once they did that, guess what? <laughs> started sold. They started to turn around. Right. Well, the right. CEO is doing visionary stuff, and the in the in the CEO is a dominant visionary, which means you know a dominant visionary are people who are dominant in any one style can't necessarily see solutions that are beyond you know their style, uh -huh. right? And so, dominant visionaries tend to they they like ideas. They're the folks who come up with ideas, but they also don't necessarily latch on to ideas that aren't theirs. Right. So other people have ideas, too, and those typically get shot down. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's especially difficult for a dominant visionary. So now the visionary is out, you know, doing this visionary thing, representing the company, being the face of the company, you know, doing a little bit of business development, but, you know, still burdened with all the CEO stuff. And so somebody had to come in and we had to get an operator in there to come in and be 100 percent focused on that. Right. That's a great, it's a great story. A great example. Uh, you know, I really appreciate this. Look, obviously you could reach out to, we could reach out to Ron to learn more about the four leadership styles, about predictable success, uh, about getting these assessments and, and getting the team looked at. It'd be, you know, obviously very valuable. Again, you can reach out through Wolfside Integrators and, you know, put you in touch with Ron or, or, or on his LinkedIn account, but truly appreciate you making the time teaching about this, helping people avoid catastrophic uh, failure of their relationships <laughs> in their business or the business itself uh, because of, uh, I guess, of conflict from, from people where people have very different styles or from 
a lack of a style if people are too similar to each other. So just truly appreciate this. Thank you, Ben. And if you just take one thing away, right? Perspectives. The best way to solve a problem is to get as many perspectives as you can. So if you look around and you see that everybody's sort of thinking the same, then you, then you need to bring some people in that sort of approach things a different way. Right. Awesome. Great, great way to end it off. I truly appreciate it. Thank you, Ron. I appreciate you coming out. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed our discussion. I look forward to the next one. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, everybody else, we will see you on the other side. Talk to you soon. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.